Welcome to The Mom Feed, a podcast about the transition into motherhood. I'm Lauren Lobley, also known as Mom, Mommy, and Mom to two young kids, Madison and Liam. When a woman becomes a mother, she experiences the most neurobiological changes in her life. This transitional period is called Matrosense. Learning about this helped my journey into motherhood make so much more sense, and I want you to feel the same way. So, if you are a soon-to-be mom, new mom, or already in the thick of motherhood, this podcast is for you. Join me and my guests each week as we tackle various topics in and around life as a mother. Ready? Let's go. Hello, and welcome back to The Mom Feed. If you've been following along for a while now, then you probably noticed that I took a little unexpected break. Or maybe you didn't notice because you have a busy life and you're not waiting for these episodes to come out. So you got a lot going on. Well, anyway, I took an unexpected break that very much went against the perfectionist who was still very much alive inside me and the overachiever. They're both these very inconvenient noisy parts of myself that I've been um, working to dismantle for a while, though I'm sure they'll never go away. Um, But the voices were like, no, Lauren, you may not take a break. You must keep going, even though you are exhausted and burnt out. And I decided, or I think my body decided for me that those voices were wrong and that I needed to take a serious break. So I risked disappointing my inner critic along with all my guests who've been on the show, whose episodes have been waiting to be released. And I just took a breather. I even took time off social media because I just found that it was just such a distraction and it was keeping me from feeling my feelings and being present. Because I mean, you you know this, you've got a phone probably nearby or you're listening to this on a phone. It's so easy to just pick up your phone and scroll. And for me, well, I think that scrolling through social media can have value, especially if you see an inspirational quote or a reel or a story that lifts you up or makes you laugh. It also robs you of the gift of being in and sitting with your feelings. Now, before I reach for my phone, I ask myself, why am I doing this? Is there something I'm avoiding doing or feeling? And if need be, I'll close my eyes for five minutes and I'll get really still And I will just be with myself instead of opening up my phone and doing the 17th scroll through the gram for the day. I often use it to procrastinate as well. It's not just about not feeling my feelings, (laughs) but a lot of the time it is. So if you've been feeling like your relationship with social media is out of balance or even just with your phone in general, maybe you're looking things up. I don't know that you like you remember when we I don't know if you remember this, but like when I used to write papers for school, I had an encyclopedia and I had to go to the library to get information. And I had to live in this state of wonder of like, actually, I don't know the population of Canada currently. I'm going to have to go look that up. But now we have these devices we can just pull up and we can find the answer to almost, actually, I would say everything in an instant. So however you're using your phone to check you know, a stat or to get information that you used to have to wait to go to the library to get or to ask somebody else for or to check your emails or to check social media or if there's anything out of your life that feels that in your life that feels out of balance, I encourage you to write the ship and take a break and be honest with yourself if there is um, something out of balance because that's the first step, right? Awareness took me a minute to realize that I needed to do that. So 
I challenge you to give yourself the gift of rest and to redefine your definition of productivity to include taking breaks and resting and maybe even disappointing um, yourself or your inner critic and disappearing from social media for a while. Even if you think your business depends on it, I'm going to bet that if your business depends on social media, I'm using air quotes, you can't see. I feel like you could take a break and your business will be okay. But that's, you know, that's a subjective point of view, but perhaps something to chew on, perhaps. Anyway, so with that, stay tuned for the end of this episode on the other side of this because I've got two really fun announcements that relate to what I just said that may help you redefine this new relationship that I'm cultivating with myself as it relates to productivity, rest, and self-care. Okay, so that's for later. Stay tuned. For now, let's talk about today's guest. Allow me to introduce you. Let me just tell you that if you've got children between the ages of 2 and 12, you are really going to get a lot out of today. However, if your children are older, my guest has some offerings for you as well, but perhaps not just specifically on today's show. With that said, my guest has said that many of her followers on Instagram, even though she's a parenting expert, are not actually parents. They follow her because they have found that her approach to parenting and her work has helped them with healing their own relationships with their own parents that created their own traumas and wounds and limiting beliefs. Isn't that cool? So let me tell you who I'm talking about. Her name is Mary Van Geffen. She is a parenting coach to what she calls spicy ones, which she will define more clearly on today's show. But I can imagine you probably guessed what that term spicy ones means, though they are the children who we desperately need in this world, to be honest, Um, the ones who push our boundaries and our buttons oh so nicely, who hold up the mirror to ourselves and force us to look inside and perhaps come face to face with wounds and traumas or old stories or beliefs we've told ourselves that no longer serve us. All of our children do that, of course. It's kind of part of the deal. But some of them do it a little bit more boldly on account of their spicy temperament. That can be hard to parent. Mary's going to teach us today or at least open up our eyes to how we can have relationships with these spicy ones. I myself have two spicy ones and though there are many days where I want to rip my hair out, I really wouldn't have it any other way. I have truly become a different version of myself since their arrival and I believe for the better. I was introduced to our guest today, Mary, after a friend of mine posted one of her reels, and then I dove into her work and became an instant fan of her humility and her practicality and her honesty, and I know you will too. Mary Van Geffen is an international parenting coach and parent educator for overwhelmed moms, hello, of strong-willed and spicy children. She teaches monthly workshops to help moms gain confidence to choose gentle, respectful parenting, especially if they weren't raised that way. According to Mary, she has a ministry on Instagram, I love that, where she posts an inspiring parenting tip every single day day. Just reading her social media will help you delight in your child and remember that you are enough. Mary believes that when a mom realizes how hard she is on herself and cracks the door open for self-compassion, her entire family is bathed in light. Let that sink in because that, my friends, is truth. Mary is a certified simplicity parenting counselor and professional coactive coach. Her greatest achievement, however, according to her, is cultivating a calm, 
kind, and firm relationship with her spirited go-getter 17-year-old daughter and polar opposite uh, 15-year-old introverted son and, according to her, her unenneagrammable hubby. If you don't know what the um, Enneagram is, uh, let me know. I'll put I'll put something in the show notes about that because it's pretty cool. Those are all Mary's words. as And as you can see, she's got amazing humor. Okay, let's toss things over to Mary, shall we? Let's go. Okay, wait. Before we get to Mary, I want to make sure that you've got the tools to be caring for yourself. What does that mean? And how on earth, Lauren, do you think I have time to take care of myself, you ask? Well, listen, I hear you. I am you. And there are some weeks and even full months where I do not take the time to nourish my body properly. Hello, it was just Easter. I cannot even, I'm like made of Easter chocolate right now. I've been stealing all the Easter chocolates from my children's baskets. It's okay. Um, I haven't been taking the time to move my body properly recently a lot. Um, And like I was meditating. I haven't been meditating. I haven't been journaling. I haven't been doing the things that always put me back into alignment and into a place where I can be the best version of myself. And you know what? It happens. It's fine. However, I seem to be on a kick this week, re-inspired. Perhaps it's all the Easter chocolate. Um, after I guess I want to say like three to four week lull. And I wanted to tell you about one of the tricks up my sleeve for moving my body in an intentional way, especially after a slump. So I used to do all sorts of hiking and trail running and hour and a half long yoga classes. And of course, that's not my life anymore. I have young children. I also don't live in California anymore, so I don't have access to those beautiful hills and trails. That's okay. Um, So now I do some combination of weightlifting and cardio, and I always add in and rely heavily on my Pilates program. Apparently, I had trouble saying the word Pilates, my Pilates program from my friend Tandy Gutierrez. Now, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me talk about her before. And if you haven't tried it yet, uh, well, maybe today will be the day because Tandy has created these ridiculously amazing spiritually based Pilates classes that are 30 minutes long that you can access online and do anywhere, anytime, wearing anything. Seriously, half the time I do these workouts that I'm not even wearing a bra because I just rolled out of bed in the morning, opened up my computer and put on the workout that corresponds to that date and then just started the class. And actually lately I haven't even been using my mat. I'm just like, whatever, open up the computer. It's still pitch black and get going. Um, so sometimes I do this in the morning at like 5.30 in the morning when my kids are still sleeping. Sometimes I do it while they're awake and they're climbing on top of me or interrupting me and asking me for, you know, snacks or to change a doll's clothes or to retrieve a garbage truck that is too high for my toddler or son to reach. You name it, I've done it. You know, your parents, you get this. So anyway, if you're feeling amazing right now and you don't need any change to your workout or your mindfulness routine, then keep doing what you're doing. But if you can use some improvement, if you're not feeling amazing about or in your body and your mind, I promise you, and I do mean promise, that Tandy's Pilates workouts will shift something in your mind and body for the better. I don't know if it'll be subtle or if it will be bigger than that. Uh, That is just something that you will figure out. Um, But these workouts are so sneaky and they make you feel super strong after because they're so sneaky and they're so, um, they're just so tweaked to 
the muscle groups in the body. It's, it's remarkable, but they are also infused with energy healing called Reiki. So when I do these workouts, I just end up feeling svelte and toned and then clearer and lighter. And it's only 30 minutes. So if you want to try switching things up, head over to the momfeed.com. There's a little thing up on the top that says shop. Click on that, and then you scroll down to the Unicorn Wellness Studio link. It's a white and fuchsia pink, beautiful unicorn logo. You can't miss it. There you can sign up for a free seven-day trial, and maybe, just maybe, you will start to feel amazing again. It's worth a shot. All right, let's talk about parenting now, shall we? So, Mary, I found you when a friend of mine, Carrie Janelle, um, she, she said she posted one of your reels and I forget which one now, but I know I laughed because your reels are the best. And she said that she, um, watched an hour's worth of your content and was just obsessed dive. with, yes, like total deep dive into Mary Van Geffen. Um, and I then did the same thing instead of going to bed. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> I'm going to close this because we've got somebody um, blowing oh, yeah. a leaf blower out there. I'm just going to see if I can. Oh, the leaf blowers. Uh, block a little of that sound. <laughs> do you remember that from LA? I do. I used to very much curse the leaf blowers. Like, I don't understand. Where are you blowing the leaves to? They're just going to blow right there. You're just blowing them to the next person. Yes. And it's so much, as a highly sensitive person, it's a lot of um, sensory input to deal with that you don't know when to schedule or be expecting it. But absolutely. Not to say, you did a deep dive. Okay. Yes, you're still stuck around. I love that. Love it. And I've been following you ever since. And I just, I love your approach, which we're going to get into. And I just love your approachability. Mm. Um, And I think that's so important when we're talking to somebody who's going to be helping us with our children. It's not like, this is how you should do it. But it's very, uh, it's just approachable and so relatable. So thank you so much for putting your work out there the way that you put it out there with all of you and your personality. It's very um, comforting. Thank you. I try to model imperfection and authenticity so people can be their imperfect selves. Just uh, I visited my mom a few weeks ago and she was like, well, I'd give you my hair curler, but I'm pretty sure you don't use things on your hair based on how you look on the gram. And I was like, yeah, I just show up like fuzzy head and all. And, you know, and I, and I'm, if there's anything I'm meticulous about, it's like getting the message down to be super palatable and because people are stressed, overwhelmed, oversensitized. And so there's one place I get really specific on, but yeah, mm-hmm. I want to, I want to be approachable and authentic and way less than perfect. So other people can be. Yeah. Well, you definitely do that well in giving other people permission to just show up as they are. So you've achieved that. Tell your mother, you do not need the hair curler. Your hair is beautiful (laughs) as it is. Thank you so much. Okay. I'll, I'll relay the message. Yes. Relay, relay the message. So let's, let's talk about your approach because I, as I was researching, I was like, I'm not seeing, you know, there's, there's rye, there's gentle parenting, there's all these different things. And then you did this reel that was wonderful a few days ago about, Um, how there's like all of these different parenting philosophies and you just, it can be overwhelming and you just have to take what works. So what's your philosophy on parenting? Okay. Well, you're making me want to do a reel that's like a chef 
sprinkling in little bits of each of these things and like labeling it and being like, oh, I'm skimming out the um, the Christian fundamentalist off the top of the pot. Like I can imagine the whole, because there's so much that goes into each person's philosophy. Mine, yes. and I've never been asked this, so I really appreciate the question. Hmm. It really, I had to look back at the history of me evolving as a mother. And so I took some child development classes. So there's some of that. Yes, gentle parenting, but everybody defines that differently. Nobody owns it. I had some Waldorf experience for five years. My kids were in a mommy and me Waldorf. So the natural and the rhythms, which led me to get certified as a simplicity parenting coach. I'm, I'm big on Kim John Payne. Um, I also have a co-active coaching background. So I really believe in the collaboration. And then there's nonviolent communication, which I think is huge. Yes. Um, Yes, I took a rye class, a baby and me rye class. So yes, um, yes to um, playful parenting and conscious parenting. You know, mm -hmm. I'm just picking and choosing. Um, I am I was deeply entrenched as an evangelical Christian and, and now I'm not. Um, mm -hmm. That I am, you know, I still have my faith in Jesus, but I don't, I don't subscribe to much of what the church is um, communicating lately, mm. as in the last 200, 300 years. Anyway, <laughs> let me not digress. But I think if I was going to sum up my approach, it would just be compassion plus boundaries. Yeah. And compassion, not just for your child, which is super important, but also compassion for yourself and mm -hmm. then boundaries with um, your child and, and, and with yourself. Like I just, I have a group of women that I mentor. Um, and one of them was saying, yeah, I just decided I don't yell anymore. And mm. I was like, wow. I wish it was that easy for everybody, but I love that that's a boundary for her. I, I may yeah. scream and run out of the room, but I don't, I no longer turn and direct loud screaming at my child. And so I think there's boundaries there. What, mm -hmm. what, what's missing? I wonder from mm. that little recipe I just shared. Well, I would say from what I'm hearing, and I love this, is it sounds like you just, you, you're always evolving based on what you're learning and based on what lands for you and makes sense for you, which is exactly what I think we need to, to be as parents, especially because every day our children present something different to us. And every day we have a different level of tolerance based on how much we've slept or what's going on in our lives or what's going on at work or all of that stuff. Bless you. you. Um, and so for us to expect that there's always th like, there's only ever going to be one way um, to approach things on any given day, I think puts us into this um, like pigeonholes us. So what I hear you saying and, is like, and it raises up that part of us that we all have that internal critic. That's like, are you going to get this right or wrong? Yes. And they're that black or white. And most 90% is in the gray. Um, yes. And you're making, you're making a game time decision based on your values and whether or not um, holding a line would be the best and highest good for everybody. Or maybe mm -hmm. this is a time where you're going to fold and not keep a boundary because there's more harm done than good. Or maybe yeah. it's a time where you are going to inconvenience everybody and hold a boundary and there's going to be a huge meltdown because you know you've gotten to this point where it needs to happen. So it's like such a personal decision. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think of times at bedtime as always, and we can talk about that, but bedtime can be a little tricky in, uh, as most transitions can be with children, depending on where they're at and um, the day and all of those things. But I think you know, sometimes if the kids go to sleep and they're like, I'm hungry. And I'm like, I told you 17 times for two hours while your dinner was on the table, that this was the time for eating. I'm not going to force you to eat at seven, but I'll leave your dinner on the table until it's time for bed. And then no more food. And some nights I have the capacity to hold the boundary to say, I hear that you're hungry. And we discuss this and you'll be, you can have something in the morning. And some nights I'm like, nope, I don't have it in me. Here's a banana, go to sleep. And both of those choices are the quote unquote right ones based on what I have the capacity to, uh, to handle at any moment. And you, someone else might be listening to this and they have a whole different approach to it. Like, oh, we have this delightful, you know, honey and peanut butter toast square right before I tuck them in because that's what works for us. Like, yeah, we, I feel like. I don't know, maybe it's the the way that parenting has been a little bit commoditized and I'm part of that brigade because I'm making money off helping people parent, right? But because mm-hmm. of that, I think we we've we've pushed that there's a a, a right way or a, a morally superior way to do things. So right. I think religion is a part of that as well. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, you said something earlier about nonviolent communication. Can you explain what that is? Hmm. That comes from, oh, please put them in the show notes. Is it I will. Virtual? I'll find it. Um, and it's just this idea that uh, in a conflict, there might, there, everybody has um, a need. And if we can get to that human need and speak to that, um, we can diffuse so much and kind of, it's sort of like taking the other person's perspective. It's, it's checking the, the wording that you're using. Like for instance, you make me so angry versus I get really upset when this happens. Like mm-hmm. there are ways that we can communicate that lower the shield of um, sort of the counter will from, from the people we're with. Yeah. Yes. I'm thinking about communications and relationships too. <laughs> oh, all this, everything I talk about applies to your partner as well, because I, I don't really subscribe to this big hierarchy. I do believe we have so much more experience and we yeah. got to the family first before the, so finders keepers kind of with our kid, but I think yeah. there's so much to learn from them and there can be a lot that's collaborative. Yeah. So it all applies. And then what's been interesting is I, ever since I had a reel that was like on boundaries where it was basically like, Hey, um, no, thank you. We don't touch each other's privates or, um, you can say, no, you don't want to hug sweetie. 50,000 people came onto my account that were new. And I would say most of them don't have children. They are basically people whose boundaries were crossed over and over again as children. You know, whether that's all the way to, to sexual, um, uh, touching and inappropriate, uh, you know, basically huge trauma or it's yeah. just somebody was told like you need to drop 10 pounds while they were when they were 10 years old over and over again and mm-hmm. so those people are finding a lot of um solace in this kind of communication as a way to talk to their inner child which i think is yeah. so beautiful like yeah. i will say things like um 
Give your give your child a do-over. Let them try it again rather than making them wrong for getting it wrong. And they're yeah. applying that to themselves. Hey, yeah. let's try that again rather than me feeling like a, a, a loser or an idiot because I got it wrong. So that's pretty cool as a kind of a, I don't know how to, what's that word? Like a, 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 like a, as like a byproduct. Yeah. If you were watching, you would see us both taking our hands and making waves, I guess ripple effect, but I like there byproduct too. I like ripple effect better. So there you go. It's funny you should say that because um, Britta Bushnell, I don't know if you know who she is. She's a, she's a birth educator, birth doula. She's got a book called Transformed by Birth that is, mm. in my opinion, every woman who is a mom must read. It is fantastic. And she's actually in LA. I think she's, I want to say Santa Monica area or something like that. Um, but she legitimately just did a reel on her technique of let me try that again when she's either talking to her husband or her kids and she doesn't like the way that she communicated and she teaches that to her kid well her kids are grown now but she's taught that to her kids as well like mm -hmm. I'm gonna try that again <laughs> yeah, rewind and that. yeah it's so it's just all these tools are so simple but I think there's just so much pressure on us to I don't know like get it right and we're coming down from this idea of parenthood where we're the boss in some way and we've got to know everything and we can't let our kids know that we don't know everything mm. and we're breaking that and I'm kind of skipping around in the questions but we are breaking that um that generation of parenting that came before us and we it, it can feel very uncomfortable like we're in this soup without a map of saying things like let me try that again mm. um and you did you did a reel on that too. Like imagine this. We are breaking these generational patterns of parenting. So if it feels hard, well, yeah, it's going to feel hard. So how do you how do you coach your parents around when they're they're feeling like, okay, I know I don't want to do it this way, and I kind of feel like I'm in a boat without a paddle. Like in an, in a moment, like my daughter will yeah. come to me with something. And then I'm like, I find myself going, I don't know what to say here. Right. There's no manual for this. Okay, yeah. First I'll give a plug that I have three one hour classes, calm, kind, and firm. So if you struggle with one of those three and we all do, we're all really good at either. Maybe I used to be really good at being firm. No, I said no, but I lost mm. all kindness. Um, mm. I didn't know how to be calm. So it's basically a one hour kind of foundational of how to grow that skill with specific techniques around it. So I would say that, but let's okay. say, let's say you're, you, you're just stuck in a situation and you don't know what the right or wrong way to do two things. I would say one pause, slow the F down. <laughs> there is no emergency, even though your body is telling you there is. Mm -hmm. So slow down rarely do we need to respond immediately. So unless they're running across the street, really, or about to push their sister off a cliff, there's not really a reason to go fast and I'm just going to barrel through and, and do whatever my instinct tells me. Because often if we weren't parented the way we would have liked, our instinct isn't as honed as it could be, right? It might go back yeah. to some old um, wounding. So that's one is to pause. And then the other that really helps me is wait, take a moment to think about you at that same age doing something similarly 
because we love to we love to whitewash the past. Like you know, I I now do this for a living because I always that was always meant for it. But but what about the three jobs that you skipped from and the one you got fired at and the and the one that made no sense for you? Like our past the way we grow human development is two steps forward, one step back. So we forget that. So Mm -hmm. put yourself in your child's position. Remember when you might've done something similar and what would you have longed for as a response? What would have Mm -hmm. felt good to you now? And you, and your wisdom will be there as you answer that, because you're not going to be like that. They gave me ice cream and told me I'm a good girl. Even, you know, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be mirrored in the fact that you're now an adult and you know how the world works. So taking a moment to like, how would you have liked to have been responded to or dealt with in the situation? Because mm-hmm. we're really good at learning lessons without being punished or shamed or yelled at. Um, yeah. But with having somebody alongside of us to process with and who holds the, the idea that we are lovable and enough, even when we are failing, mm-hmm. that would be my answer. I love that answer. We are lovable and enough, even though we are failing. That is definitely not something I was uh, taught. I, I I love my parents, but I'm I'm a product of the good girl, and I learned the rules of school. Like you do, you get the grades, and you get the, and people like you, or the teachers like you, or whatever. When you get the good grade, and you do the right thing, and you stay inside the the box. And so I'm going to be forty in June, and I'm like I am. I'm stepping outside the box Whoa. for the first time. And in my just... head over top the good girl box. And there's a whole, yeah. Do you know there's a hospice nurse and she has a book. I'm just going to have a bunch of things for you to research later and put in the show notes. No problem. I got she it. Has a book, and in it, she says the number one regret voiced on hospice beds is I wish I would have lived a life that I wanted rather than mm. the one other people wanted for me. Mm-hmm. We do not want to raise these good girls that are trying to follow the rules to get the biscuits. You know, we, we yeah. want to tr- try and help people find their own inner um, longings and compass. And that's really hard to allow for when you're, when the culture at large is saying, hey, you're supposed to have control of that kid. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, what was the book, Bringing Up Baby? And they're like, this is how you get children to behave. And I'm like, something feels off with this, but okay. I love that you're bringing that up because at the time I read it, I was like, yes, I should be French. Like everything I read, you know, along the way makes total sense. And then you keep adding to your, your wisdom. Yeah. Well, speaking of how did you come to this work? Because I know you have two children and I'd be curious how you came to this work and how your uh, parenting approach changed from before you had kids, because I feel like all of us were really great parents before we had children (laughs) to the beginning, to where you're at now. Uh, I came to this work because I did not like my child and Mm. I was having these um, huge power struggles with this four-year-old and right behind her was her two-year-old brother and I wasn't enjoying it and I was rolling my eyes at her and I had a moment where I confided to a friend on a walk, I can't stand my child. Mm. And let me let me tell you why. And I wanted to say all the annoying things about this child. And it happened to be that this friend was a therapist and said, I feel like this might have more to do with your mom than your daughter. And so that was like a little touchstone, but I still went down this whole process of trying to get my kid diagnosed with something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like if I could, someone could just tell me there was something wrong with her, then I could get started on being a better mom. And I even eventually took her to a play therapist. And when I took her the second time, they say, can you come back without her next time? And I was like, yes, let's discuss this psychopath and what we can do to somehow, <laughs> you know, fix her. And I went back and I went back and I went back and I went back for two years and my daughter never went again. And so learning that it was my wounding, my um, lack of centeredness and grounding and skills um, because I was just duplicating what it had been like for me to be little to this new person. And I was applying all the same labels like, you know what? She's bossy and she's dramatic and she's so sensitive ding, 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 so am I. But I would prefer to say I um, am opinionated and I am wise and I am a leader and I feel things deeply and it's my superpower. But at the time when I had a child, I wouldn't have spoken that way about me. I didn't have any self-compassion. And Mm -hmm. so then I went on a whole journey of like gaining skills, reading everything I could, becoming accredited in a certain, um, uh, you know, style. And, um, eventually started helping other people with it and and leading classes. And and it's been amazing because I help moms of spicy ones and I was a spicy one. And so I think it's helpful for them to see, look at you, you're you're not in jail. <laughs> because I got lots of stories about being a wayward teen, making really poor choices. And sometimes that's going to be the journey your child's on. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I love that. That is so honest. And I feel like so many people can relate to that. Like, I don't like my child. And for me, it was when my daughter was born, um, it was a four day labor. So it was quite traumatic. And um, I, my family's in Montreal and from Canada and nobody's around. And my husband's family's in New York and I was alone. And everybody kept asking me like, don't, do you remember life before Madison? And in my head, I was like, I really do. And I feel like I made a mistake and I don't know what is going on. (laughs) I was not like the life that I was sold as a mom is not what's happening here. And I can't tell you that because that would make me a bad mom. Mm. And people would talk about like love at first sight. And I, it, it took, it wasn't for at least three months that I actually realized that I loved my daughter. Like the first three months, I was just in complete survival, just like, okay, I'm supposed to doing all the things I'm supposed to do. Mm. And I'm miserable. And I hate this. And this is forever. And what have I done? So I think it's so thank you for sharing your story, because it's so not very common. And even though it's getting more and more common, not, not that it's not common. It's very common. It's not very common to talk about. Mm. So even though it's getting more common to talk about the um, uh, not so nice sides of motherhood, uh, Diary of, of an Honest Mom does that really well. Um, big Time Adulting, uh, Caitlin Murray does that really well. Lots of people do it really well. There aren't a lot of people who are saying, yeah, I didn't like my kid. Mm. <laughs> And that's a very vulnerable thing to say because it's wrought with so much self-judgment and then, you know, it can be misconstrued by those listening. But I also think it can be very freeing for people listening, thinking, oh, yeah, I feel the same way. Um, And I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, but it really does have to do with us 
and our unhealed wounds and our unhealed traumas. If that is our response, it seems like that would, like if our response to our kid is, I don't like them or I'm not, I don't love them or whatever. There's something that we need to be looking at. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a, there's a beautiful piece of science that's quoted in parenting from the inside out. Mm-hmm. And, um, I cling to it, which is the bigger indicator of whether or not you will pass on dysfunction or abusive or toxic um, ways of parenting onto your child is whether or not you can articulate what it was like to be little. If you can, mm. if you can talk coherently about what it was like for you to be raised in your house and whatever dysfunction went down there, that is the thing that breaks the cycle of you then sh- um, repeating it unconsciously. Wow. So it really matters to tell your story. And I can always tell because I, I I built my business on one-on-one coaching. I don't have as much time now to do that. But when I'm sitting with someone and they're like, you know what? My parents did the best they could. As soon as I hear that, or I was a little terror, I deserved everything I got. I know I'm dealing with someone who has not yet opened up that basement with all the pain in it. And so likely... Whatever was done to them, they will um, do to their child because they just haven't yet um, come to terms with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amount of growth that I have gone through and things, because I was that, and I still will say that, you know, my parents did the best they could and probably because they're listening. Hi. Hi. Um, But also, also, because, and I don't want, because I do believe that we do the best we can with what we have. And even when we know better, we don't always do better um, because- yeah, it, it reminds me of anti-racist work where it's the impact is way more important than the intent. Well, I didn't mean to be racist. I was trying to be inclusive. It doesn't matter. It's the impact on people. And so, yes, your parents can have the best motives. And and right now, I do believe that, that and I bring so much consciousness and intentionality in my parenting, and I am for sure sure that my child will be on a therapist's couch <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Um, and she already is. So I, 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 yeah, I think that that's a big part of, of human development is getting some support from somebody outside of yourself who can objectively and compassionately walk with you. Yeah. So how did that work with the therapist who was meant to be for your daughter, who ended up being for you, transform your relationship with yourself and your, your daughter and your son? Um, I won't say that that was like, that was 50% of it. I think the other 50% was um, educating myself and having something to do rather than what not to do. Right. Um, But I had to go through a couple, like I sat and told one therapist, she was this sweet little old lady. And I told her, this is what my daughter does. And she says these kinds of things and da, 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 da. And she said, well, sweetie, have you tried spanking her? That was a therapist. And so I had to go through a lot of um, inappropriate advice before I found what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. So, and when you, I don't know how long, how long have you had your business for? Sounds 2011. Like so 12 years. Okay. And what age range do you help parents with, or is it all age ranges? Um, so my products are for usually for two to 10, um, okay. but I do have a teen class because you got to shift your whole approach right around the tween years. Yeah. And I just yesterday was coaching somebody who has a 24-year-old who, because it's really hard to disentangle once they leave the house, 
like, what is my role in a conversation with this adult? How do I make yeah. it where they actually want to spend any time with me? How do I process the grief of not having much say or visibility to their life? So I can coach anybody. Um, but yeah, most of it is two to 10 because I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to help somebody who now the kid is 17 and your, your eyes are just being open to having a gentle, respectful, compassionate relationship. Like that's sort of a different, um, scenario. Uh, that is probably a lot of therapy and repair work. And how do you repair? And I do have a, a PDF on how to repair with a child. If anyone would like that, we can include a link. Oh yeah. I'd love to do that. I love the, that concept of repair because, because it, it's like, it's almost like a get out of jail free card. It, it It's your, it's your safety net. You don't have to be perfect all the time. You get to make mistakes. However, in the mistake, it must be repaired. And you've got this opportunity to not only just repair the relationship with your child, you can model for them. Hey, you don't have to be a perfect person. I'm not. Look what I just did. And also, this is how you apologize. And it's yeah. such a, that is a superpower. I and mean, if you look at the world, it's not common for people to apologize to each other. Well, there's a lot of toxic apologies. Like, I'm sorry you feel that way. Or yes. I did the best I could. Or nobody yeah. taught me how to do this. Like, so there's a lot of ways for your apology to actually hurt more. Um, yes. And I'm fascinated with the idea that your apology does not include them forgiving you. You don't need to say, so do you forgive mom? That now you've just sort of pushed um, the work onto your child. So that's not what it's mm -hmm. about. And I love the fact that, and I didn't know this starting out, that part of an apology is holding space for what was it like when I hurt you? Can yeah. you tell me what that felt like? That mm -hmm. is the healing work is mm -hmm. like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a safe enough person to let you say what it feels like when I slapped you. Yeah. Um, and what, what is, it must be scary and, yeah. and being part of the, the healer, not just the herder. Yeah. That's so powerful. I, I will love to share that with the audience. Um, so let's talk about spicy ones and how you define, I love the way you define spicy ones on the website. Cause I think it, it was surprising, but also not surprising given, uh, not that I know you, but having spent some time with your work, I just appreciated the definition so much. Oh, I meant to go look at what the heck I have on my website. Um, I mean, I can, I can tell you how right now, cause it's constantly changing, right? Cause I'm yeah. changing, but the spicy ones are the dragon children. They're the ones that have this fierce sense of independence and wanting yeah. to sort of be autonomous way before it's quote unquote appropriate for them to be. They're gifted in some ways and they are inept at others. They um, are prone to emotional outbursts whether that's raging or joyful screaming, like they're really loud in their feelings. They're innovators. They're not followers. They have a deep sense of injustice and will stand up for it. But it's often about what other people are doing and they're a little blind to their their the ways they might be um, breaking rules. Mm -hmm. They don't tend to rest in contentedness. What's mm -hmm. next, you know? Um, they're the change makers. They've got subversive senses of humor, they don't use toys appropriately. <laughs> they do a lot of weird things with toys. They're silly. They're brutally honest. And if we can see the beauty and the superpowers, I mean, we will learn so much. I mean, they're going to change 
the way we see ourselves through the process. Absolutely. Were you a spicy one? Oh, heck yes. Still am. Yeah. Yes. I I was going to say you still are, but I don't know how you were as a kid. Well, on your, your site, you said, how do you know if your child is spicy? It depends on your child's temperamental intensity and their depth of emotions. It depends on your own unhealed need to control that really (laughs) <laughs> was like a knife to the heart for me. I was like, yep. Um, it depends on your propensity to judge rather than accept and the work you've done to articulate your own childhood. It depends if you are a highly sensitive person or if you struggle with attention-related difficulties. It depends on how strong your fear of displeasing others is. Oh my so gosh, I'm you, such a good writer. You are such a great writer. It says you're spicy. What you're describing you're is basically my mom's a spicy one's eight-week course because we kind of dig into all those because there's so much about us that makes us see somebody as spicy that to somebody else would be mild. So there there is a part of that. In fact, you, you sent some questions that your, um, your Uh readers had. And one of them was my five month old is spicy. What do I do? That to me is not about the child because spicy, um, can sometimes be code for manipulative or bossy or, and I, I think a five month old is literally just communicating needs. Yes. Yes, I know. It's like, and this is where I, and this is where I get with sleep coaches. I get a little like, like my anxiety kind of goes up because I feel like there's a tendency to deny the temperament of the child to be able to say your child should be able to sleep through the night or sleep through this stretch or sleep through this nap or whatever. It takes in no accountability to the actual child's temperament. And there's no space for acceptance of just, you know, this is a highly sensitive child who's deeply connected and who probably is a highly sensitive person and so I know it's not convenient. We're going to find other ways to adjust your life so that you can get sleep at other times, but they're probably not going to sleep through the night. And probably if you leave them in the room to cry for hours, that's going to hurt them and not help them learn to self suit Like there's just no room yeah. for the individuality of these little beings. And yes, you know? well said. And you named one of the nine temperament traits. There's also another one is regularity. This child, mm-hmm. I mean, awesome. I If you get one that like has to poop at the same time every day and eat, but the ones that don't, those are the ones that are hard to get to nap when you need. So that should be taken into consideration. You know what? Let's put in the show notes. Also, I have a temperament quiz for you Ooh, to figure yes. out how spicy is your child. Um, and I do think once you realize the temperament of your child, you can stop sort of trying to shove that circular peg into a square hole and realize there's parts here that nurture is not going to impact. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Where gentle parenting, actually, they might need a little something like they all need something different. I mean, if anybody who has more than one child can see that their children are different. I've got my eldest child who's very spicy in her own way. And she, was colic and didn't sleep for six months. And now she sleeps through the night. I don't have to worry about her for 12 hours and she'll even like get herself up and get herself breakfast. Mm. Um, unless she's feeling spicy, in which case she'll come and slam my door open and jump on my head until I get it for her. It depends on the mood. What a beautiful then, ritual. 
It's yes, it's it's lovely. And then my son who doesn't sleep through the night. I mean, when he sleeps through the night, it's a it's a miracle and that's just how he is and he needs connection and and they need to be parented differently. Madison will tell you the truth no matter what. Liam will reach into your pocket and steal your wallet as he's doing it. He will tell you he's not doing it. And I'm like, "Wow." <laughs> like they're both so different. So when we try to just put this uniform parenting or sleep technique or whatever on each of our children, I think not only we do them a disservice, but we also do ourselves a disservice because that brings it back to what you said about needing to control, which I so have. Um, Some people do it more than others. And I do as a formerly type A, former people pleaser, definitely highly sensitive person have this need to control. And I think that's what all these techniques are kind of about. If we shifted away from controlling our children to fostering a relationship with our children that allows them to be who they are, not who we want them to be, which I think you said And earlier. it's hard as a, um, this is sort of like a business aside, it's hard to be a um, parent educator online because what people say they want is give me a script, yes. tell me how to say it, tell me, give me a technique, a tidbit. But to your point, well, let me actually help you clue into the unique custom relationship you have, which you are actually the expert on. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is we don't feel like we're experts and we, we are sold. I think this industry of like, go buy this book, get this contraption, get this thing. And it takes us, it definitely for me, at one point, my husband was like, put the books down, Mm. (laughs) put them down, Lauren. And, and finally, I remember the moment that I fell in love with my daughter. It was when I tapped out of all of the external. And I just, I remember the moment in her darkened nursery and I tuned into my heart and her heart and I fell in love with her, which was such a relief. Um, And then everything got easier. She started sleeping and it just, so there was something unlocked when I put myself in the driver's seat Mm -hmm. of not that I was in control, but that I'm the expert of of myself. And until she's old enough, I'm the expert of this child. And she's going to teach me how to be the expert of her as she grows. You just get goosebumps. Can you please cut that up and make a reel? Yes, I totally can. Um, But yeah, it was, it was a, it was a palpable experience. Mm -hmm. And so, and you know what else happened there? You, when you fall in love with someone, you see their good enoughness already. And they stop yeah. being a problem to fix and a yes. um, something that you need to find a solution or a calculation or they just become enough. And then yeah. you realize you're enough and all is okay already. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's the learning of my lifetime because I just based on how I grew up and how I was, um, yeah, motherhood was, was definitely going to have its way with me and it's been my greatest teacher. And one of the things that you say on, I think it's on your website, you say your job as a parent is to be a calm presence as your children fail forward. And I think that's what we're talking about. So what, let's talk in a moment about how we be that calm presence, especially if we are a highly sensitive person or we have ADHD or we don't trust ourselves and we are still in the people pleasing mode. How do we, how do we be that calm presence? But first let's talk about I think I know what it means, but I'd love to hear your definition of failing forward. Mm. 
Um, well, failing forward is just, it's, it can be doing stupid, risky things as a teenager that we're meant to do because we need to have a concrete experience of messing up and feel that shame in our belly. It can be that, or it can be, um, you know, as a child is learning to walk and, and the human development of, I get, I start to get better at this and I suddenly lose my capacity to do other things because all my faculties and calories are coming towards this new skill. And it can also be when you've told them 18 times, we keep our our feet off of the couch and you are you are going in and staying calm and patient as you tell them for the 19th time and it finally clicks man this this lady means it she's going to follow through on this mhm okay. what does it mean to you cuz you you have a beautiful brain i want to know your thoughts oh um failing forward is i kind of equate it to this there's a movement now which i appreciate of not there's no bouncing back to the body you had before you had a baby before your organs were pushed around and you pushed a child out of your body or had it cut open from you mm. there's no bouncing back there's only bouncing forward and moving forward and that that is now a part of who you are so it's kind of the same process of it's, it's almost like a positive spin the way that I think it needs to be on failure. Failure as a good thing. You fail at something, you learn the lesson, you take that, you move forward. You know better, you do better. Then the next thing comes. You fail forward. You know better, you do better. And it's like this like yes, little baby steps along the mountain of becoming who you are. Oh, yeah. And if we really sat down and thought about some of our greatest life lessons, like what we know to be true, they all came from failures. Because when you're just skipping along and everything's working out, like sometimes that makes me, you know, we all have our secret bucket of parenting fears that we dip Mm -hmm. into. And one of mine would be, things come so easy to my kids. There is no income, um, uh, what's the word? they have the income. There's no income insecurity for them. So mm. we make some choices that are just like, yeah, okay, pay for that, do this. And what will happen when they're out in the world and they have four roommates and you can't just go on Amazon and have it sent because now it's your money. So they have not had a chance to fail in that way that somebody who has a much tighter budget um, would have. And I just... Yeah, there's so much beauty in failing. I I didn't get into a single sorority Mm. freshman year because I had burned every last bridge because I'm spicy and I say (laughs) dumb things and I brag. You know, that that was sort of me before. After that moment where I saw the impact of the way I had acted in this, you know, small Greek system, everything was different. I'd be, I mean- you need these big failures to learn these life lessons, especially if you're spicy or you have ADHD or, you know, there's certain um, collections of, of, of ways that people think neurotypicalness or not, where you need to actually, it needs to happen to you before you believe it. Your parent could have said it left and right, but it's just theoretical until it happens mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, for me, I was always the responsible one. So my parents <laughs> I wish like, I could have raised you. We would have oh, done fine. 
Oh, yes. I know. My parents were sending me out to bars when I was 15. They're like, go have fun. I'm like, I don't want to use a fake idea. They're like, just go. Fine. Because they know I'll be the responsible one who's going to make sure nobody does anything they're not supposed to do. Mm. Um, Yeah. So, okay. Calm presence. You have a course on, you have a course, calm, kind, and firm. And firm. Um, I, without doing the whole course, obviously, are there any pointers or like one big pointer on maintaining that calm presence? Mm. Especially because in this world, we are bombarded by all the noise on our phones and the constraints on our time. I feel like it feels like they're bigger than they ever were before. We always feel like we're starved for time. We never feel like there's enough time for ourselves. It's like we're told to make time for ourselves, but then we're kind of shamed if we do make time for ourselves, at least if we're moms. Like it's just like busy is a badge of honor in this world where we've got all of these inputs coming at us. We're all burnt out. How do we maintain that calm presence? Because that is the key for our, I do believe, our own healing and for effective and a healing relationship and connection with our children. Mm. How do we do that? Yeah, I'm not going to be able to solve it in the nine minutes we have left, but I do, yeah. I, I like to think that we each need our own custom made calm down recipe. And mm, I have okay. four parts to that um, your breathing, your sensing, your, um, your feeling and the movement. Uh, mm-hmm. But in this, a little smidget of, first off, I want to say, we don't stay calm. We've learned how to come back to calm. It is, we're humans, we're animals. We're going to f- um, spike up, have all the biometrics go, you know, to high alert, but knowing how to get yourself back down, come back mm-hmm. to calm, is going to mm-hmm. be back and forth. There's going to be variability in that old heart rate of yours. So I like framing it that way. And I, if I was going to give like a tip right now, it would be in conjunction with what we said earlier, which is remind yourself this is not an emergency because a lot of the not calm is, okay, time constraints, time pressure, right? Like, whoa, slow down. Does it matter? Um, But the other thing I would say is to be a good friend to yourself and to unclench, and I'll unpack both of these. The unclench mm-hmm. is literally check in with your belly every couple of hours. Is it girded up and ready for battle? That's not a calm stance. So I find myself making PB&Js, got to get them in there. And it's like, whoa, can you soften the belly and relax the shoulders while you're doing that? And that sends a whole host of messages to our body. Um, if we are constantly clenched, because it's how you push through, then, you know, it's like adrenal fatigue or whatever. Um, so that would be one is check your belly, unclench your hands, your jaw several times a day, maybe set your alarm for two hours after you're awake and an hour before you start to make dinner where you just check in. And then the the other thing is to be your own best friend, which is like check on yourself the way you would a good friend. Like, how you doing? Like take a moment to have, um, like to check in the way that you speak to yourself. And when you're unclenching, you can make time feel more spacious when it's like, I, I know you need to get this done and this done and I know you will do it, but how are you? How's it yeah. feel to be in your body right now? Um, what's your emotion today? 
like just checking in. Like it's the same as if with our spouse, if it's like, okay, great. I'm glad you're taking the kids here and I'm going to get this done. And what'd you say you wanted me to pick up? If that's all we do, the relationship erodes and we wake up at 50 and think, I don't really want to be with this person anymore. Mm-hmm. So part of, of coming back to calm is not abandoning yourself. And I mean that by the way you talk to yourself and the way you check in with yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, some people listening to this are going to be like, got it. Others are going to be like, I don't know what she's talking about. And that's okay. You're, you're at the beginning of bringing awareness to the thousands of thoughts you have a day. And if most of them are like, what are you doing, idiot? Get to it. You know, like if it's just an abusive inner dialogue, then of course you can't get back to calm. Stakes are too high. It's it's too um, hostile. So yeah. really practicing being a good friend to yourself, checking in with yourself. No, I love that. I had um, an acupuncturist who used to call him the body whisperer who was in Santa Monica. And I couldn't explain what he did. His name was Don Lee. I think he moved to Columbia at this point a few years ago. And he said, anytime he's rushing to get to the office, three steps before he puts his hand on the office door handle, he slows down. Even if he's late, he takes three very slow, intentional steps, intentionally puts his hand on the handle of the office door, Mm. takes a deep breath, and then opens the door. So he walks in calm. Love when it. he was, you know, stuck in traffic, rushing, blah, 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 three steps before the office. I, and I, that always stuck with me. And I feel like that's the essence of what you're saying. Yes. Like you don't have to be in meditation all day long. <laughs> it's just catch yourself when you are not calm and then catch how you're talking to yourself, be a friend to yourself, slow down and then proceed. Yeah. And for some listening, if this is a new concept, just notice your thoughts just throughout yeah. the day when it's like, come on, idiot. You you knew you, t- you had to do this. Why didn't you do it last night? Oh, interesting. There's a voice yeah. in me that really wants to um, lambast me and put me down. Okay. Just like we don't have to do anything about it yet. There is great power in noticing you have an inner mean girl and she's yeah. been doing all the narrating. Just notice yeah. without yeah. judgment. Don't You don't have to be mean to that mean girl. Just notice her. Yeah. I love that. Well, I know we have a few minutes left and most of the, um, and I'm putting you on the spot, but maybe we can do a live actually to answer other people's questions at some point if you're interested. But most of the questions that I got from people were around boundaries. And I think it was you who, was it you, you did a reel where it's repeat, not. Yes. Um, What was it? Repeat. Repeat, don't. Yeah, it's a good thing to close with. Um, what did I say? Rather than explaining your limit in multiple ways to try to help somebody accept it, you just repeat it. Yeah. So instead of, it's, it's like I t- you said earlier, like we don't put our feet on the couch in this house and you just repeat that instead of doing like explaining, well, we don't put our feet on the couch because blah, blah, blah. I said, don't put that because blah, blah, blah. And like continuing to. Yeah, and the explaining happens in the beginning and you check for comprehension because that's what people got all fired up. They didn't read the caption and I just have to let that go. But you yeah. explain the limit and you check for comprehension. Do you have any questions? Maybe you entertain questions later, but at that point, when they understand, now you get to just cut to, that's our role because that's Mm -hmm. our role. Um, 
And you might even, you know, with some kids, rather than repeating the rule, you say, what is our rule? What, what do you know to be true about the couch? Right. And that will engage a different part of their brain when they have to come up with the answer. Right. But then you got the spicy kids who, like, my son will hit my daughter and I'll be like, do we hit people in this house? Yes. Like He's all, because I just did. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying not to laugh, but I'm also like, okay, how to... How do I hold the boundary from here? And I think that's parents want to know, like when your kid is throwing their bodies on the floor in the grocery store and they're hitting and kicking, like how do you hold the boundary? You don't in that scenario. There's no boundary when someone is in fight or flight. Um, there's only no. containment and keeping them safe. And 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 it would we'd have to figure out what led up to them totally losing their stuff. But so often people are trying to figure out how to consequence a kid who's basically they've left their coping skills. They are at the edge and they no longer can control their body and they're, they can't, they're neurotypically, you're not, you're, there's no words needed because they're not receiving any of the words. So mm. if we had more time, we could go into kind of some of the, um, the different ways that shows up. Yeah. Well, we'll do a part two. Oh, I would love that. Yeah. I would love to have you back. This has been so great. And I know everybody's like, wait, what? No, we need more. So um, I will humbly ask you to come back so that we can I do accept. more. Oh, great. Um, just Can you just tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah. I mean, every day I'm posting something on Instagram at Mary Van Geffen. If that's not your jam, I send out a newsletter every Friday with a tip for parenting a spicy one, along with some screenshots of what went down on the gram if you're trying to um, fast from that and keep your life simpler. Yes, I love it. Well, you will not uh, be disappointed. Your Instagram is amazing. Everybody go and follow Mary. Um, go check out her website, Mary Geffen, MaryVanGeffen.com. Mm -hmm. And um, we will have you back for sure, Mary. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. All right, y'all, if you're not in love with Mary, I do not know what to tell you. She is officially one of my new favorite parenting coaches online, and I know there are many of them. I'll make sure to put the PDF in the show notes about repair that she referred to so that you can download that and do yourself a big favor and follow her at Mary Van Geffen on Instagram, and then go and check out her website to see if there's something there for you. I'll put all the links to her socials and website and anything else that we referenced in the show notes. I think she mentioned a few books. Those will be in the show notes too. Okay. Thank you, Mary. Now for those announcements that I mentioned at the top of the show. First of all, I am turning 40 on June 5th. It's quite the rite of passage. And last night, as I was laying in bed, thinking about all the things that I didn't do in my 30s, trying not to judge myself, um, and thinking about where I'm at in my life, I thought, how fun would it be to do a 40 days to 40 program where I just am super mindful about my nutrition, my mental health, my self-care, my fitness, my parenting, my state of presence, all the things. And then I thought about how fun it would be to do it with other people. Because every day and every moment is a great time to make a better choice. We don't have to wait until our 40th birthday or our 30th birthday or New Year's or whatever. We can do it now. And if you are feeling less than wonderful right now, if you're feeling like you're living a life more out of survival and just getting through the day and checking things off your list rather than one of thriving mentally and physically and emotionally, and you want to change that, well, why wait until a monumental birthday or occasion to do that? Why not just do it now? So I invite you to join me 
beginning tomorrow, Wednesday, April 26th, which marks 40 days to my 40th birthday, to do this with me. No matter how old you are, this is for you if you want to sparkle, if you want to feel better in your body and in your mind, if you want to spend your days differently and feel like you are energized rather than depleted by the end of the day. If you want to feel great about how you spend your how you spent your day rather than in judgment about all the things you didn't get done and that you're going to have to do tomorrow. That is how I often feel and that just I just don't want to be in alignment with that anymore, you know? It's a terrible way to feel at the end of the day and I want better for you and I want better for me. So, I'm going to end my 30s with a bang and I'd love for you to come along for this ride and feel fabulous 40 days from now or even we can just resolve that we're going to feel fabulous now and then do some things to make us feel even more fabulous along the way. Um, if you want to do this with me, email me at lauren at the momfeed.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-N at the mom, M-O-M feed, F-E-E-D.com with the email title, I'm in for 40 to 40. And I'll create a small private group with a plan that you can follow as it suits you. No pressure. In fact, this will be the opposite of pressure. This whole thing is going to feel like a warm hug. This will be a time where we swap out our outdated definitions of beauty, of productivity, of self-care, and step into new definitions that light us up and make us feel good. Because if not now, then when? So again, if you want to do this with me, email me at lauren at momfeed.com with the title, I'm in for 40 to 40. Uh, the other announcement is sort of in conjunction with 40 to 40. I'm opening up my coaching practice again, and I oh, hate the word coaching. Um, maybe I just need to change my relationship to the word coaching. That's <laughs> something to look into, but I don't have a better word right now. So I'm just going to use the word coaching. My intention with the practice is to be like a therapist in your pocket, even though I'm not a therapist. But I know that as I go through the different stages of motherhood, I depend deeply on processing my thoughts and feelings with a few very close friends and my life coach um, who will not judge me for sharing bluntly and honestly, and who will, like my spicy children, um, act as a mirror. Though, of course, I'm not sharing these private details with my spicy children, because that would be inappropriate. Um, but anyway, if you don't have a coach and or a friend in your life who you can just sit down with and be like, oh, dude, I feel this and I feel bad about this and I don't know what to do. I would love to be that for you. So if you're feeling lost and unmotivated and not sure who the heck you are anymore, and you just want a life tune up and you want someone who can hold space for you to share openly and for your nutritional and mental and spiritual goals or intentions. If goals is too strong of a word, I understand. I kind of have a some healing to do around that word as well. Well, anyway, I'd love to be that for you. I'm going to do pricing on a sliding scale depending on where you're at financially because I just believe when mothers are okay, we're all okay. And I don't want price to get in the way of you getting what you need to get in order to feel good. So I'm offering a free consultation so that we can meet and discuss your intentions and to see if we'd be a good fit. Because like any relationship, but there's no chemistry is not going to work no matter how awesome each of us is. So that's where we will begin. If you're interested in that and exploring, well, what does that look like? Um, there are details on 
I'm saying um a lot. There are details at themomfeed.com. Let me just open it up and see what I called it. I think it's under support. So um, if you go to themomfeed.com and you go to the support tab, there's a drop down that explains all the things. Um, let me get back to what I was talking about. Uh, and just if you're wondering, there's different um, options. So there uh, is coaching for pregnant moms to help prep them emotionally for what's to come. My goodness, I wish I had that. Um, there's a coaching offering for newly postpartum moms whose heads are spinning with this new life. Also wish I had someone to talk to during that time. And then there's one-on-one -on -one coaching for moms who are perhaps further down the line, whether it's a few years or a few decades. And you just look up and you realize that you no longer recognize yourself and you want to change that, but you don't know how or where to begin. So those are all the offerings lots of things uh, to to ponder. Um, if you're still with me, thank you so much for listening. Just remember to email me uh, at lauren at momfeed.com if you are in for 40 days to 40 and or if you want a free consultation for uh, coaching. There is absolutely zero pressure. I just want you to feel good. So there it is. Uh, that's it. That's all she wrote for today. A thank you as always for tuning in. I know how very precious your time is and that you gave any of it to me and Mary here today means the world. Please, as you go out into the rest of your day or perhaps to sleep, just give yourself a giant pat on the back or actually up the ante. Give yourself a big hug because mama, you work so hard all of the time and I know you do and you know that you do and you don't hear that enough. So I'm here to remind you of that and to remind you that you are amazing and you are doing the best freaking job. Do not let yourself forget that. Okay. Okay. I will see you next time with my mentor, who is my original life coach and former director of possibilities for Lululemon, Suzanne Conrad. You are going to love the next episode. Until then, mama, I see you rest well, and I'll see you next time.